we can do anything. We can. And in fact, we want to tell, what do we want to do? Turn back time. We want to talk about books we wish we hadn't read. And that can be good, bad, or ugly. (laughs) Even the colours. Hello, you're listening to Dear Reader, a book talk show featuring chatty librarians bringing you reading recommendations and a whole lot of book loving. I'm Louise Cadell. And I'm Bernadine Nolan. And we're coming to you live from Melbourne Library. Before we get started, we want to remind you that we'd love to hear what you're reading. So tweet us at Library with the hashtag Dear Reader. And you can download previous Dear Reader episodes at SoundCloud or iTunes by searching for Melbourne Library Service and subscribing. Yeah, subscribe. And all the books we mention will be listed in our show notes on our Goodreads page, which you can find on our website at www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au and it's on the read page. Do you want to go first this week or do you want me to? I will let you go first this week. Okay, so the first book I wish I hadn't read is The Corrections by Jonathan (gasps) Franzen. Oh, do you love that book? Tell me why you did you like it? No, I dislike. I, I strongly. <laughs> I just. I wish I hadn't read this book because I not only did I not like it, I now do not like Jonathan Franzen, and I, I try not to. I try not to very much, but I feel myself judging other people who like him because I'm like, what? Why? What was the other book he wrote? Can you remember? Freedom, uh, the corrections, whole host. I mean, he is, he's this, you know, he always wins awards and he's really prolific and everyone's like, oh, Jonathan Franzen just gets it. He just gets it. And <laughs> oh. it's like, for me, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. He do- I feel well, not like in that book. He's mean. He's a mean writer. And I, I, I'm probably going to go somewhere not very nice in saying what I'm about to say. But when I first saw his picture, I thought... <laughs> That guy looks smug. He looks very smug. I don't know if I want to read any of his books. I don't like smug authors. You know those type who are like, I've got the answers to everything in life. Whatever. So, but one of my very, very good friends was like raving about Mm. anything by him, right? And she was fangirling. She met him at a a writer's festival and was like, he's so amazing. And I'm like, "Mm." but I thought, okay, I better give it a shot. She's an intelligent girl. Uh, so I read the corrections. Just, it's just did you get all the way through it? Yeah, no, I did. I ploughed right through because I was oh. waiting because of his his uh, reputation. I was waiting for the illumination to come. You know, I was waiting for the very very end to be like, wow, what an opus, oh. what a what a magnificent novel. I'm so glad I finished. No way, I finished, and I was like. I didn't like any of the characters. I didn't like the story. I thought it was very smug, just like I thought the picture of Jonathan Franzen. <laughs> and it just it just aggravated me because I just, I feel like perhaps I was maybe not mature enough to appreciate him. So I wish I hadn't read him so that maybe I could enjoy him later on in life. Well, maybe 
he won't be listening to this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to take a bet on this fact. But, okay, so I'll, I'll talk about what the book is about. Yep. So The Corrections explores the lives of the Lamberts. They're this quintessential sort of American family. He wrote it pre-September uh, 11. So mm. some people say like, oh, it was in the cusp of this unknown era. And it's like, yeah, but he wrote it before that. So, you know, obviously it was it was coming, I guess. Um, and they're sort of a Midwestern family in this make-believe town. And it's all about the children, how they've, they've fled the family home and, you know, kind of created lives for themselves because, you know, their, their dad was so impossible. And he has this really downtrodden wife called Enid who... I found incredibly annoying throughout the whole book <laughs> and quite real. You know, I mean, there's that, there's that line where they, they, it's yeah. a family saga and the realness is sometimes really refreshing. Yes. And even if they're not particularly likable characters, you think, yeah, this is, this is humanity. Hmm. You know, not everything's sunshine and rainbows and there's a lot of stuff we don't like, particularly with family. It's rife for that sort of fiction. Anyway, so the Alfred Lambert, the, you know, protagonist, I suppose, of the novel, but not really, he... He is going through some life changes. He's getting Alzheimer's. He's getting forgetful. And so he has to take this medication. It's all about his sort of down slide, you know. Um, he's sort of worsening dementia, I guess. And it's, it's, that's kind of it. It's just sort of the, the lives of the children and the mum coming together and it's all their problems and them ultimately not solving any of them and sort of not really being redeemable in the end. And there's a lot of stuff, a lot of drama. And there, were, there was some parts I didn't mind, but just in general, I just, I couldn't get away from this underlying smugness of the writing. Mm. And dear reader, as I've said before, uh, someone like Jennifer Egan, I love how she loves her characters. She loves them. And I love writing like that. And I, I find as I get older, I don't have as much time for people who don't like people because I feel myself that that's really easy. Mm. It's, it's, it's easy to kind of disdain and judge at a distance, which I understand I'm judging right now. I'm judging Jonathan. But I think, too, he's always on one of the you-must-read lists. Yeah. And I'm one of those people that I spoke about, the polarised people, because you're exactly right. Looked on Goodreads, my favourite place for reviews, and (laughs) some people were just wonderful. They were like, one person had this comment about how they left it in a restaurant (laughs) and they forgot the book and they didn't care. They were like, I never want to read this. This is awful. And, you know, I heard a story about how I was reading an article about him. Oprah put, I think, this book on her book club. She did. And she invited him to, to... Oprah and he was like um no I don't go on those type of shows and I'm like really like writing and reading is for everyone and you don't want millions of people to to enjoy your book that's so ah, so uppity well I suppose Oprah wasn't literary well, that's, you know, but I, I don't like those distinctions. No. I don't like the distinctions between high and low. I don't like... Would have sold more copies of his book if he had it. Well, and look, maybe it was a publicity stunt. Maybe he sold Who a knows? lot more because of his disdain of Oprah, you know. <laughs> Who knows? And Oprah's got a lot of currency. I would have thought it might yeah. go the other way, but maybe her followers aren't as, as um, in rapture as Beyonce's. You know, I feel like Beyonce's followers might have burnt his car or something. Anyway, that's that's the book I wish I hadn't read, perhaps. 
Perhaps I will go back later in life and reread it, but I feel like I well, may not. There are so many other books so many to other be great read. Books. All right, what? Tommy Byrne, what book do you wish you hadn't this, read? What's your first one? Well, this is an oldie but a goodie. Um, it's called Flowers for Algernon. Ooh. You ever heard of it? Yeah. Yeah. So the author, Daniel Keyes, uh, wrote it, and it's, it is uh, completely brilliant. Utterly heartbreaking, and that's one of the reasons I wish I hadn't read it. Were you devastated after? I was. It? I was. I was. Really? Um, it, it's actually a story of Charlie Gordon, a cleaner who has an IQ of sixty-eight, but who really wanted to learn. And this is his words: "I wanted it more ever than people who are smarter even than me. All my life, I wanted to be smart and not dumb." So university researchers perform an experiment on Charlie, turning him into a genius after their successful experiments on the lab mouse Elgenon. And I just love the name Elgenon. Anyhow. It's cool, cool. You know, Charlie, we are not sure how this experiment will work on purple because we only tried it up to now on animals. But Elgenon's new intelligence begins to fade and he dies. And Charlie realises that his genius too is destined to have him. Wow. So it's a, the book itself is a written like a series of diaries entries by Charlie, and you can see in it his spelling and grammar and clarity of thought improve, and the spelling obviously. Um, and it was originally a short story, and then it was expanded into a novel, and it was also made into a film called Charlie. C-H-A-R-L-Y in 1968. So it's one of those books that's eerily disturbing, horribly disturbing in ways because you see what's going to happen and you know that Charlie knows what's going to happen. And although he's turned into this super smart, intelligent person, he can't stop stop it. Wow. So... Uh, in terms of, you know, books you wish I hadn't read, it was just such a powerful book and I think I probably was in my teens when I first read it and that was way back in the days before we had all these medical breakthroughs that we've got now and lab testing on mice was still current as it still is now. So that's the other part of it too. Um, It's delivered in the first-person narrative so I think that that, actually gets to you more than if it had have been somebody observing how Charlie's life was impacting. It's personal. Yeah. So that was mine. And very, very, yeah. Wow. Very, very powerful book. So not all books that we wish we hadn't read are ones that we don't like, dear reader. It's true. Although my next book is one that I also didn't like. Oh, don't worry. I've got. Oh, I have one of those coming up. I have a as good one. I well. promise. <laughs> so okay. it's um, yeah, it's it's just one of those really heartbreaking books, um, that you know, you either love because it is so good, but because it's got such a a poignant end, it yeah. makes it so hard to read as well. Do you think you'd ever reread it? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, right. Yes. 
sounds beautiful. It is beautifully written. Um, just wrote a note about, just let me have a look here. He, Keyes wrote in his 1999 memoir, I thought, my education is driving a wedge between me and the people I love. And then I wondered what would happen if it were possible to increase a person's intelligence. So that was the, the reason that he wrote it. Wow. So, yeah. And it would have been very nice to have actually been able to interview Mr. Keyes. Yeah. Wow. Well, it sounds really nice. Hmm. I'd like to read it. All right. So my next book was, as I said before, one I didn't like. It was Girl on a Train by Paula Hawkins. No, Louise. Really, listeners going, no, I love that book. I, I love wish that I book. didn't read it. That was our most borrowed title of last year, wasn't it? 2017 in the library. I can see why. I was one of those people who got fooled into the into the excitement around it. And I was like, oh, sounds great. Sounds gripping. It was Christmas. I thought I need a beach read. Oh, just wasting my life. No. Oh, man. I just, I'm very annoyed I gave into the hype basically because I, I had an inkling I wouldn't mm. like it. And I know we talk a lot on Dear Reader about how we like to broaden our horizons and, you know, just sort of give things a go. And Dear Reader, I promise I gave it a go. I read the whole book. Uh, I started reading it a few pages in. I was like, mm. and then, you know, I sort of thought at some point I just kind of stopped because I was like, no, Louise, you're not enjoying this. Just Boring. put it down. Yeah, just put it down. But also too, I'm like... I don't like the writing. I don't like the characters. I especially don't like the characters. They're all awful, as in just awful people. You mm. know, I'm like, I don't feel sympathy. You're annoying, whatever. And then I was checking in books, as you do at the library, and someone was returning it, and I opened it at a random spot, and I thought, hmm, should get some closure. Should know how this ends. Maybe it's <laughs> going to be a big twist. Maybe it doesn't end how I think it's going to end. Mm. Well, dear reader, it ended exactly how I thought it would, and it was very annoying. I was mm, just like, very predictable. Oh, I was so annoyed. And normally, normally there's sort of a satisfaction associated with that sort of read. Mm. You know, you feel it's come full circle. But for whatever reason, it just, just really annoyed me. And it annoyed me further that I didn't heed my inner beast that said, I don't, don't like do this. It. Don't read it. So I just found the protagonist very drippy. Anyway, mm. I know this is a. A fiction. <laughs> She's not a real lady. Right, but true. still, it just annoyed me. So I'll fill you in the story. It's a first-person narrative told from the point of view of three women, Rachel, Anna, and Megan. And now that I think about it, if it sounds like that, you think, oh, that's kind of kind of cool, three different protagonists. It's like, I had to keep reminding myself who was who. who? I'm like, who's that lady? Oh, that's that one. I'm like, they're all mm. just as awful and just as... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Nasty. Even, yeah, a little bit. They were nasty yeah, characters. But more, they weren't even, you know, I love a good evil character or, or a, you know, a nastiness from the soul, but this was kind of a real shallow nastiness, you know. Just get in there. Anyway. <laughs> Give it all you've got. It's, it's mainly about Rachel Watson, who is a 32-year-old alcoholic reeling from the end of her marriage to Tom, who left her for another woman, Anna. <gasps> so Rachel's drinking totally goes, to use a pun, Makes her go off the rails. Mm -hmm. um, and she spends her time basically being drunk and on a train. And she thinks she sees one day uh, a murder or something fishy happening from the train. 
So it sort of follows her as she goes to the police and tries to remember what happens, but she can't because she was drunk. And, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff going on with her, her, her story, which normally I would, I would be very sympathetic to, but how that character was drawn, I just had nothing and mm. no sympathy and the rest. So, you know, it's sort of how these three lives, these three women are intertwined with this, this Tom character as well. And there's some other side characters and, you know, ultimately at the end, it wasn't very satisfying like my previous novel. And it was also just, just reeked of a bit of time wasting. And I was very annoyed at myself because, you know, could have been reading another book. So I think it sounds a bit dramatic, but for me, I wish I'd never read it because I just wish I didn't give in to the hype. Yeah. So, you know, maybe maybe there's some dear readers out there who disagree. I, I dare say there are. And, you know, there are times when I have given in to the hype. Uh, the Twilight series being a great example. I actually loved those books. As terrible as they were, I enjoyed them for their terribleness. So I'm sort of wondering where the line is, you know? Mm, I don't know. I think too, sometimes though, it depends on where you are, what time of the year it is. I think you're right. Where your space is. Yeah. And you know, you might have read it six months beforehand, before all the hype and gone, hey, actually this wasn't this bad. The characters bad. were despicable, but, yeah, you know, it was a good story. Yeah, you're right. I just, I wish I could be the smug Jonathan Franz in person and be like, <laughs> I didn't read that book. I might try it one day. And I, I just wish I, I wish it was an open book itself that I didn't know. Well, this is why we do this. <laughs> yeah. So what was, it, what was your second book? Well, this was one that I really did not like. Mm -hmm. And I know that people will go, oh, it was great. But no, it was terrible. Not terribly written. That's, I don't mean that. I mean, mm. I just did not like the storyline. And when I say Lord of the Flies by William Golding. Whoa, a classic novel. It is a classic novel. You wish you'd never read it? I wish I'd never read it. Really? Yep. I didn't, yes, for anyone who hasn't read it, and most people will have because most have schools do, um, it's not only a t it's a tale of survival of some boys in a plane crash on a deserted island. And, yes, there's an allegory bit about the conflicts between civilization and savagery, but for everybody that might admire or for its popularity, it's a haunting, absolutely haunting account of of what people can do. Mm. And the, the, the brutality is, is uh, I just couldn't take it. So to go through with it, it's based on a series of events following a plane crash that leaves a group of young, young school-going children stranded during the Cold War. The dreams of all the boys have finally come true after all. They've got a whole island to themselves to play on without any nagging from adults. And a day or two after, they realise they need a leader and the main protagonist, the fair-headed Ralph, is elected due to his popularity and leadership skills with Piggy as his sidekick. And... Because there's nowhere to go, all the boys befriend one another. Ralph befriends a boy named Jack, a choir boy. As the days pass, both boys grow to despise each other, with Jack getting hungrier for authority. 
What seemed to be a blissful escape from the adult world at first soon progresses into something far more unsettling and sinister. And it was this, the, the portrayal of what these kids did is haunting. It's a really good way to put it. It's true. Even you telling me about it now, I remember it. It's a very haunting book. Yep. And that's one of the reasons I didn't like it. I'm not saying that it's not a classic by any stretch of the imagination. It certainly mm. is. And it's a provocative tale in ways of survival. And it's, you know, the aspects of human experience, um, the social from the political and social order, um, our natural inclination towards violence and evil, um, and our belief in the divine and supernatural intervention all come into it. But it was, it just makes, I think it possibly made me realise just what people are capable of. And that's, that is one of the reasons I didn't like it because I'm a bit like you. I like to see the good in people. Yeah. And these characters were totally, oh, they're all awful. totally awful. And it, I think it's harder because they're children. Yes. And it, that really makes you question the nature of humanity, that it's 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 not nature versus nurture. It's that's, you know. It is. There's no nurture. Exactly. It's nature. It's and I think there. part of the, the um, fact that I didn't like it was it was because it was kids mm. and I think when you look back at your school life you can probably pinpoint there's always a bully somewhere yeah and yes no sorry dear readers yeah that you can I always think of piggy always call me out on this one but no no not mm. my cup of tea it's it is one of those books we've we've spoken about many of them before that just you know I remember the Simpsons have done a Lord of the Flies take off and there's a lot of, yeah. you know, things that have come after it that have sort of um, copied it, I suppose, or reappropriated what they've done. And it's, yeah, I was thinking, I can, yeah, I can think about it now. And you're right, I haven't read it since yeah. I was a kid. And I wouldn't. And it does stay with you. It does. It does. And when you see what's going on in the world around us, the, this is this, this behaviour. Yeah. All over the world. It's very disheartening because it makes very. you feel like, what's the point, I guess. But oh, sorry, for, sorry for a downer, dear readers. No, that's what it's all about, real reading. So, all right, well, my What was your last, last one? My last book. I Did wish you I had like it? I loved it. Well, so there we go. I wish, I wish I didn't read it because I wish I could read it again for the first time. And you can never get that back. And no. I just, I just loved it so much. And I, I, I don't even know if I'd, if I'd never read it, maybe I read it now. Who knows if I'd even feel the same way. Like you were saying before, it's a real yeah. time and space place. I don't know. But the book is called M Train and it's by Patty Smith. So it's sort of, it's a bit of a cool, cool. book. If I, you know, it's yeah. one of those books that cool people read it or you might see people and they know about it. Yeah. Um, so Patty Smith, the rock star, punk poet, Legend. basic all around amazing lady. That's actually her, I think her second book. The first one was Just Kids. Yep. And there was a biography on her time with um, her friend Robert Maplethorpe. And this M train is Whose work different. I just absolutely love. He's gorgeous. And he himself is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And I actually, I read Just Kids after this book. And I did really enjoy it, but M Train was my favourite. Um, and I think 
it's because at this certain time and place that I was, I was really enjoying the non sort of linear narrative that was going on. It wasn't really, it wasn't made up of a whole bunch of flashbacks, but it's really, it's, it's like that being John Malkovich thing where you get a little covered into someone's mind yes. and you just get to hang around with Patty Smith, drinking black coffee and eating brown toast and kind of just looking back on things or looking forward. And it's, it's really just like being in someone's mind or even, even a little bit, you feel like you get to be her. It's Can I have some of her talent, please? Oh, it's just, it's incredible. I think, how can this woman write so beautifully? And, mm. and, you know, you just follow her and she talks about chess championships and about watching detective novels. And, you know, I read a review that was, it was very fair. This woman didn't really like the book because she said, how privileged Patty Smith is. And it's true how privileged she is to, you know, she's saying, oh, I might have to work for a summer to buy this second house that she has outside of New York. And, you know, and that's, that's a great point, really great point, but she's not, she's comfortable but she's not a flashy lady no you know and she's not she doesn't come from that sort of background and she gets invited to a lot of things and she gets flown around the world for all fabulous causes but she's not a Louis Vuitton bag toting lady who no dines out and expensive in the first row of the Dior fashion show or anything like that so you know I can handle it's it's kind of nice that someone who's given so much in terms of herself in her music and did so many Larry things when she was much younger, you think it's quite nice that she's enjoying a lot of different things now. It sort of seems like a nice cosmic payback, yeah. I guess. Um, and, you know, not everyone's afforded that payback. A lot of her friends that she talks about, famous people who've died and mm. in the past, you know, her own husband, she she talks a bit about the grief of her own husband who I think – died when he was 45 and she's he was quite 70 young. something when she wrote this and she still talks about him yeah. just it's like he only died a year ago and it's it's beautiful it, it doesn't matter who you are if you're in a relationship and that person dies yeah you're still you're still a human yeah. you're still going to express that grief oh but it's just it's just lovely to read that she still she feels, you know, nothing's nothing's watered down, and the way she talks about him, it's like he just died recently. I think it's so beautiful, and I don't know it was lovely. I loved it so much, and I I can only describe it as you get to wander around with her in New York or wander around in her brain. There's there's not a lot of a, a lot of narrative going on, I guess, and that's not a deterrent at all. It's it's kind of a fabulous palate cleanser, I guess. If mm. you're, I would wholeheartedly suggest it at any time. But if you're between, if you've got one book that was quite heavy or quite different to the next sort of big novel you're, you're thinking to tackle, I think yeah. this would be a beautiful book to put in between because it just, I couldn't help but smile when I was reading it. So do you find that you can dip into it and dip out of it or do you need to continue reading? Uh, I think the point was I really wanted to. It was the type of book that I couldn't wait to finish work because I yeah. wanted to catch a train and read it more. So it's the type of book that you just, once you kind of open the page, you were just swimming in it and you didn't really want to leave. Wow. It was beautiful. I really liked it. I even bought it for some people for Christmas presents and things like that just because I loved it so much that I, I want other people to have that experience. So I what? I obviously wholeheartedly, you know, 10 out of 10, loved it. But I wish I hadn't read it because I would like to know, I would like to read it again for the first time. Well, maybe she'll write another one. I hope so. I hope and so. Then- 
<laughs> well, I actually follow her on Instagram like a fangirl. And um, she writes poems and she's just, oh, she's just fabulous. <laughs> you know, she's just gorgeous. And I loved, I loved when she accepted the Nobel Peace Prize on behalf of Bob Dylan and then she started singing. Yeah. And then she made them stop because she made a mistake. And I was just like, oh, this is just the best example of, of what it's like to be human. And she was, but you humble. know, she goes, can we start again? I'm really nervous. And I was like. See, I, she, to me, she comes across as being a really humble person. I think so for too. all her accomplishments. I think that too. I think that too, and I I feel that in the book. So I didn't feel any. Like I said, smugness. I understand. No, no <laughs> zero <laughs> smugness. Oh, burn! You hit the nail on the head. Uh, I felt zero good. smugness. You're right, though. She is very humble yeah. and just extremely grateful, but not in like an annoying way where you're yeah. like, "All right, all right, we get how lucky you are." She's just yeah. Says it like it is, basically. Oh, loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Well done, you. Well done. <laughs> we ended on a positive note. Woohoo! What about you, Ben? What's your last book? This is an oldie, but a goodie. Okay. And I reread this quite recently because I read the biography of Antoine de Saint Exupery, who wrote The Little Prince. Lovely. And it But did... not lovely? Oh, yeah, I loved it. Oh, okay. Absolutely loved it. And the. the uh, copy that I was reading is this most beautifully illustrated copy as well. So it just made me fall in love with the book all mm. over again. So it is a whimsical novel that can be applied to both children and adults. So don't turn off, dear reader, if you think it's just for kids. It's not, it's, it's not. It's not. It's definitely not. The story for anyone who doesn't know it is about the... A prince stranded and lonely in a vast desert. He meets the narrator, a pilot who has crashed his plane there, and they form a close bond, and the little prince tells the pilot of his adventures on other planets. Little bit, mm. So you'll hear of the little prince's love for a rose, his taming by a fox, and his constant request for drawings. The pilot grows to adore his new friend, but the tragic ending hits hard as it deals with big things about the human condition of love, loss and friendship. You'll find yourself crying at what is devastating and beautiful at the same time. Mm. And that is one of the reasons I love this book. It was um, absolutely beautifully written and it, it is that balance between the way the book is beautifully written and the devastation of the ending. So it was first published in 1943. Uh, so it's still in publication. Yeah, definitely. And it's quite just, just I, I go to say the book is elegant mm -hmm. and it reminds me of just this, the, the writing itself and I could go on and 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 on. Um, but it's, it, it is just one of those books that is just beautifully, beautifully written. The author did actually have a plane crash in, uh, I think it was before World War Two or after. Um, and he did crash outside Cairo, about so 120, long. yeah, about 125 miles outside Cairo. So he had been a pilot himself. Um, so I, that's where that, the pilot comes in and he, he's, oh, it's just, 
watercolour illustrations that are beautiful and they were done by uh, St Oxbury himself so that adds to the beauty of the book and yes dear reader I just I just loved it it's one of those beautiful beautiful books and if you ever feel like you need to read an uplifting book and I have said it's a devastation um, but it is one of those beautiful books that you do look at um, friendship and friends and then the fact that you know there is loss but to there's two sides of every coin yeah life death like life death yeah. and so it's just one of those and like you this is one of these books that I have bought for people yeah so so do you do you do you wish you'd never read it because you wish you could read it again for the first time like me exactly oh. exactly so um yes it's it's just the, the the joy I think and of just reading it for the first time. You know, it's just you can't, you can't capture you that can't, again. No, can you, you can't capture it, and it's a it's just one of those problems, dear reader, that we have <laughs> when we get something like this. You know, second bite of the cherry. Yeah, it's, yeah, not it's, as good it's as the true, first and bite. I mean, it's it's funny because it's not necessarily. I'm sometimes you reread a book. Say I read. Jane Eyre once and then I reread it and I actually enjoyed it a lot more the second time than yeah. I did the first time. So sometimes you get that um, better, enjoy, you know, you enjoy it much better the second time or, you know, and it's it's kind of rare to have that but when you have such a strong reaction yeah, yes. to something, yeah, you just think, I don't know. I mean, I've, um, I feel similar about Michael Cunningham's book, The Hours. Yes. It's just... To me, it's just one of the most perfect books ever written. And I I have this such a strong opinion about it that it was flawless. And I'm, I'm almost a little bit afraid to reread it in that if it you doesn't live up to that flaws. again, yep. and I'll think, no, and it'll feel like a loss, mm. you know. Definitely. It's so strange how reading has this wonderful ability. Stories, people have this wonderful ability to really hit to the core of you, don't they? Yeah. This is, why, this is why we read and we That's, say it. But. Remember that book, oh, uh, the Kenta Roof book that I reviewed? Oh, Our Souls at Night? Yeah. Yep. And I couldn't finish it on the train because I knew I was going to have a little <laughs> weepy oh, because that was, it was like this. It yeah. was just one of those beautiful, beautiful books. And I know not everybody will agree with me in that. Um, but it was, you knew there was going to be a terrible ending. You knew it was going to be sad. And I just thought, I cannot finish this book just in case a little tear escaped. No, on the train. Yeah, no. On the train. And you, you also kind of want that privacy to really be like, <gasps> uh, Yeah, not just exactly. like a little polite cry, but you really want to let it out. Yeah. I think, I, I guess, I got I had issues once when I read the, I, have you read Atonement by Ian McEwan? Yes. So I didn't realise that there was, you know, I'm not going to spoil it, dear reader, but there's a punch in the face at the end. Oh, yeah. And I didn't realise that was coming at all. I had no <laughs> idea. And I was on a bus and I was bawling. And then I got off the bus to meet my dad for a coffee and he saw my face and was like, what's happened? And I was like, my book is really sad. And he was just, he just, just rolled his eyes. It's and just like, Louise, it's just a book. It's just a book. It I'm didn't like, happen in real life. I'm like, but it's so real. And then I was really annoyed at myself because I didn't get that moment to, oh. to you know, fully. Oh. He's a tricky writer. Yeah. Some of his books are good. Some of them are a bit like mm. me. 
Mm. That's that's probably for another episode, dear reader. It is. But I think that's us for today, isn't it? Yes. You can read our show notes, including a list of the books we haven't finished yet, and there are numerous ones, Ooh, on there? our Goodreads page, which you can find on our website at www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au and on the Read page. We would also love for you to tell us what you're reading or ask us for a recommendation. Tweet us at melblibrary with the hashtag dearreader or join the conversation on Goodreads. And don't forget you can subscribe and download Dear Reader episodes at iTunes by searching for Melbourne Library Service. And if you like what you're hearing on Dear Reader, we'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes. It helps others find out about us and gives us a nice warm glow too. Thanks for listening. We're going to sign out. Over and out. Happy reading. Bye. Take care.